Hello, welcome to Sexy History, where we talk about two things as old as time, sex and history. Let's uncover what's under the covers. So roll your condoms on, because we're going to go deep. I'm so excited for this episode. It's probably going to be a two-parter, and I'm really happy that you're here with me. So today we are covering history's oldest profession, prostitution, in the wild west. As I was researching, I didn't realize how much was all happening at once because usually when the Wild West is taught, we think of it as its own time period. But the Wild West, Gold Rush, Civil War, Indian Wars, and Victorian era were all happening within the 1800s. With this knowledge, I'm going to educate you about the cultural differences and how the idea of the West in the East perspective still shapes our glamorized ideal of the wow-wow West. America in the 1800s, our Victorian era. Ladies in fancy dresses, servants, huge houses, and the makings of the biggest oil, mining, and business tycoons the world has ever seen. Slavery goes from legal to illegal, Native Americans and indigenous people are fighting for their land from Euro-Americans. The Victorian era was marked by staunch beliefs, social Darwinism, females' exuberant compliance to men, dress, and the church. The middle class had to adopt the social norms and laws as they were set by the rich, and if they did not follow them, they would not move up in society. Get into that mindset that this is the society you live in, and you are a woman, and there were very few jobs and many rules to follow. Unless you were married, well, it was highly unlikely you were going to gain money, let alone your own money. You're a fun, vibrant woman who just wants to be free. Where do you go? Where is there opportunity and less judgment about what you do to make your money? You pack up and move to the wild west. Who were these women? First off, they were kind, generous, and astute businesswomen. They came from all backgrounds, white, black, indigenous, Asian. Their education varied greatly. Some had a lot of education, some didn't have any, and others learned on the job. Here I am going to distinguish our idea of a brothel worker and the actual brothel worker. Even today, our minds, movies, and literature still cater to the East's perception of the West. This happened because the East would receive news from the West, then papers would be written and sold where they came up with the idea of the soiled dove for sex workers. This is important to note because these newspapers are what we can research into because a lot of the Wild West was wild. Eastern people could not comprehend the idea of a free woman choosing to go West to make money. Hence, we have our current romanticized idea of Western prostitution that still exists today. I would argue that today's society still can't conceptualize women doing sex work strictly for business. 
In the late 1800s and early 1900s, suffragists attacked prostitution and blamed it on men for not giving women rights. Yes, many sex workers were widowed, husbandless, had babies, and needed money. Therefore, suffragists fed into the soiled dove archetype as it was a reason to get the right to vote. If women could vote, there would be less prostitution. Women in the East couldn't vote, but women in the West could because territories were trying to become a state, and for that they needed 100,000 votes. So they let women vote. Women in the West have always been able to vote, opposed to the East. These women were not soiled. They were products of their time. Some made it big, some went broke, and some got out. They were survivalists that, without them, America's Western expansion would have been greatly delayed. There are many accounts of women and men of respectable status saying that the class of women, meaning sex workers, would always donate liberally to any charitable cause and assisted with the poor and suffering. The community likely thought that this was to atone for their sins, which is completely possible, but I like to think that women are more multifaceted than that. I think they were truly kind. They saw in their brothels people suffering abuse, addiction, unwanted pregnancies, health issues, and mental issues. They saw all the bad of society and wanted to make their community better. With this said, I think they were good people, but they still had an eye on the prize. Money. If the town was nicer, more men would come, and that means more money for them. One madam funded an entire fire department. Madam Maddie Silks donated in today's money millions to schools, churches, housing, and care for the homeless. Madam Lou Graham of Seattle gave large sums of money to schools and bankrupt families to keep them afloat. Fun fact, she was also one of the largest landholders of the Pacific Northwest. Madam Anna Wilson in Omaha willed her 25-room mansion to the city to become Omaha Emergency Hospital and Disease Treatment Center. Now that we have this background knowledge, let's saddle up and get into the reality of prostitution and sex work in the West. First, I would like to thank Jan McKell, Mackel? Mackel. <laughs> for researching and telling these women's stories and keeping them alive. A lot of my research is based off of her knowledge. I will have her website listed on my YouTube so you can go check out her books. This is a general timeline of what sex work looked like in Colorado, but I think for the most part, it is a pretty good timeline of the West's interaction with prostitution. Pre-1870s, men moved west. The west was rugged and untamed. Well, to Euro-Americans. It was not the place for a lady. Many young men left their family and their community in search of riches. Most miners made anywhere from $1 to $3 a day. I believe in California, at one point, the ratio of men to women was 50 to one. 
So it was a boys' club. The men were lonely, horny, and needed something to do. Madame Pearl DeVere of Cripple Creek, Colorado, owned one of the finest parlors in the West. It is said that she charged $250 a night for a stay with one of her ladies, and the men would have to apply and be approved before they could spend time with one of her ladies. Her parlor house is still standing and offering family-friendly tours. Pearl died of an accidental overdose of morphine to help her sleep. This was, of course, after she threw a huge, grand party that cost thousands of $1,800. It's simple economics. There was a high demand for women and low supply. Women brought sex, companionship, an ear to listen, and something to do. Something to do didn't just mean their physical bodies. Of course, the men already had bars set up, but if they had women or dance hall girls, the bars had singing, music, gambling, poetry, dancing. Women brought more entertainment and fun to these almost completely male towns. Notice how I said dance hall girls. There is a difference in dance hall girls and sex workers. Let me explain the types of sex workers. There's China girls. Many of these girls were sex trafficked and they were sex slaves and they were imprisoned. Then there were street walkers. These women were usually too old or unsightly and they couldn't be properly employed in a brothel or a bar. They didn't have a set place to do their work, so it was often in an alley. They got their clients from walking the street, hence the name. There's dance hall girls who worked in bars and danced with men and got them drunk. The girls would get paid off of how much the men would drink, but not all were prostitutes. Many were, but not all of them. Here's my observation and question. Because the dance hall girls were paid off of drink sales, the girls were incentivized to get the men drunk. And I wonder, is this why prostitution was blamed for turning good men into alcoholics when it was actually women trying to make ends meet in the system that they were given? I would love to know your answers. Please interact with me on social media about this. Our next type of sex work was crib girls. Usually there was a small two-room house where women would rent the room to have sex with their customers. They did not live in this house. They worked independently. It was like running out of space. After this, we have parlors slash brothels. They were nice, beautiful, where well-dressed, talented ladies lived. Men would have wine tasting, play poker, listen to poetry, singing, entertainment, and companionship was provided for the lonely heart. Some madams even sent their ladies to finishing schools so they could be more refined. After this, we have madams. They were in charge of parlors and often the owner. Madams were serious businesswomen. Some took customers, some didn't. But they kept the girls in line and made them obey the law. After this, and this is the only time I'm going to cover this is the courtesans. They were traveling companions, like nannies, but they were mistresses. In a time where pregnancy was extremely dangerous, 
Some wives preferred to familiarize themselves and their family to the courtesan in case the mom died. She knew the kids would be taken care of. But courtesans were also more likely to get pregnant because of why they were traveling with the family. They generally were hired by the husband. Some sex workers, whether they were from China or not, were enslaved by pimps and madams. There were high rates of depression, suicide, pregnancy, and domestic violence. I would be remiss if I didn't say that, but that's not the focus of this episode. With this, women could charge a lot for a night with them, and men were happy, willing, and able to pay it. In the early days of the Western frontier, I found several accounts of men who said that there were so few women in the town that they were respected ladies and no one cared about them being a prostitute. Again, this is not to say that these women never faced abuse or sexism because that is simply not true. But I am going to tell you that in the next episode because in the 1870s, sex work was very different. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Sexy History. I understand that this is a short episode, but the next one will be much longer. This is just the spot that makes the most sense to stop it. Please join me on social media at Meglagoof, M-E-G-L-A-G-O-O-F. And I will have the link to the YouTube down below where you can find all of my resources.